Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, good morning to all you party animals who made it to church today. You know, I woke up this morning and I could not remember my New Year's resolution. And after watching videos on Instagram for about 30 minutes, it finally came to me. Y'all are so slow. <laughs> it was to stop doing that. <laughs> I'm just seeing how, how with it you are this morning. So uh, anyway, hey, you know, the first of the year, it's a good time to stop and remind yourself of some basic stuff. Now, we, Gateway has statements of faith. You can go to our website and it has all our statements of faith, like what do we believe about the Bible? What do we believe about God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Salvation, heaven and hell, um, <clears throat> the mission, the church. And you can find all these statements of faith. These are our, these statements based on scripture. And, um, but, but then we have core values. Now, core values are not statements of faith, but they contain statements of faith. As you, we, we have these value systems that we live by as a church, as a staff, and, and these are values that drive our decision-making process. And you have, a val- you have core values, whether you've ever named them or not. Uh, you have core values. <clears throat> like, for example, uh, if you have a core value that telling the truth is absolutely paramount to you, your core value is when somebody tells you a lie, <clears throat> then you kind of keep that person in check. You know, you don't always believe what they say, or you may even say, hey, I just cannot trust this person because they've proven themselves to be a liar. Well, that's actually coming out of your core value that you decided telling the truth is very important. And when somebody doesn't tell me the truth, ah, I'm going to be suspect. So you have your own core values, but we as a church have them as well. And, and I would encourage you to you know, figure out what your values are and make sure, because this is crucial, make sure that your core values are aligned with the teaching of Scripture. Because whenever a core value doesn't line up with what the Bible says, you got an issue. And you're making decisions based on something that could very well be contrary to what the Bible says. And like, for example, if your core value is, I'm always going to do what's best for me, period. Well, a lot of people live by that core value, but the truth is that's not what the scripture teaches. In fact, it teaches the opposite. You put, you put the, the, uh, what's best for someone else ahead of your own interest. Sometimes you even, uh, you kind of, and I'm, I'm not talking about violating, violating biblical truth by doing that, but rather you give preference to other people. That's a biblical truth. So I think it's important that we walk through these basic core values. And this is not an exhaustive list, but this, this is a key list. And I can already tell from the last sermon, I'm not gonna, there's 12 of them. I'm not going to get through them. And um, 
all of them, but I'm going to hit the, the ones that I think are absolutely crucial. And so let's start with the very first one. These are the core values that we as a church operate by, that our staff operates by. And every time, I will tell you this, every time that we have violated a core value, there's always been a price to pay. That it, it comes back to bite you. And, and there have been times when we would not think about a core value and we'd make a decision only to have it to come back and say, hmm, that was a bad decision. Oh, well, guess what? We violated a core value that we had in doing that. So let's, let's start talking about these. Number one, and this is, these are, some of these are core values for you as an individual. The centrality of Jesus Christ. He's absolutely center. That's a big difference from saying, including Jesus. A core value is, I'm going to include Jesus. No. A core value is, he's the center. He's from which everything evolves around, revolves around as well. He's the focal point. And uh, let's, let's just read what scripture says in Colossians chapter 1. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That kind of tells you how crucial, how important he is. He existed, now this is a really important verse right here, and I want to show you what it's saying. He existed before anything else was created. Now there's some people, and there are some, some faiths um, <clears throat> that teach that Jesus was created by God the Father. Well, not according to this verse. According to this verse, Jesus existed before anything was created. Now, a subtle little statement, but vastly important. Anybody, anybody ever tries to tell you that Jesus was created? He's not equal to God the Father. He was created later. You just show him that verse. So wait, wait a minute. He existed before anything was created. And then it says, and is supreme over all creation. So how could a created being be supreme over all creation? In fact, it says, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Earth, obviously, you know what that is. We live here. Heavenly realms, whenever you see the plural of heavenlies, a good way of understanding that is everything else. Everything else. Everything you see, everything you don't see. He created the sky, everything that flies in the sky. He created the stars and the moon and created all the other planets. And he created the planets we don't even see. We're learning more and more. Every, every time they take another picture in deep space, the scientists are discovering things they did not know. <clears throat> They're discovering thousands and thousands of millions of universes of solar systems. And guess what? They've been there all along, created by Jesus, for Jesus. 
And whenever you wonder, well, why did God create all those other solar systems that we don't even know about? Because they're not for you. The Bible says they were created by him and for him. God knows about them. And every planet, every star that exists, God has a name for it. Every one of them has a name, according to the scripture. So Jesus, he's a big deal, right? For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth, everything. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And I love this last phrase. He holds all creation together. <clears throat> I was watching a um, science uh, documentary. And it was just exploring cell structure and the atom <coughs> and the nucleus of the atom. And basically, the scientists were saying the atom's nucleus, in reality, should fly apart. It really shouldn't exist <coughs> because of how it's made. And they said there's something that holds it together. And the basic force that they said that holds it together, they call it the um, strong nuclear force. I call it... Jesus. <laughs> I, I mean, they say when you really get down to those cells that, that make up everything that is, it says it really shouldn't exist because of the nature of it. And there's a force that is actually holding it together. And, and they, they have identified what they think it is. And I read scripture and it says, and he holds all creation together. And when I read that verse, I'm, I'm a simple-minded person. When I read that verse, I think of, well, what's the opposite of that? What if Jesus stopped holding it? It would explode. It would cease to exist. So he created everything that is, and he keeps it in place. He keeps it in place. I don't know about you, but this kind of tells me that Jesus is a big shot. <laughs> He's the biggest there is. And so that's why he is central. Jesus is everything. There's no one beside him as Lord. I've said it many times, there's one pedestal in this church and it's already occupied and his name is Jesus. We have no celebrities at Gateway. There's no room for that. That's why there's only one pedestal. And, and I've, I, I tell you, when I see a pastor set himself up as a celebrity where it's all about him, his name's on everything, his face is on everything. I cringe and I 
have a holy fear for him. Because there's a day that is coming where that celebrity status actually is setting him up for failure. It just cannot be maintained. That's why just this past year, we, we saw nearly a dozen celebrity-type pastors fail. And most all of them were over moral issues. I'm thankful I don't have to maintain a pedestal for me to stand on. This church is not built on a personality other than Jesus. Jesus is the, in, the image of the invisible God. He's the exact representation of the Father. In fact, Jesus put it this way. If you've seen me, and this said this in John chapter 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm the exact representation. I represent the Father. So when you deal with me, you've dealt with God. By him all things were created and everything was created for him and he holds it together. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is sovereign. And if we ever forget that as a church, we cease to be a New Testament church. A second core value is the inerrancy of the scripture. <clears throat> second Timothy, all scripture all scripture is inspired by God and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. So our authority source is the Bible. It supersedes all authority. In fact, the Bible, God says of the Bible, not a single letter, the smallest little spot in Scripture. Heaven and earth will change, will destroy, will blow up before that changes. I mean, not a syllable, not a single letter is going to go away in God's Word. It will outlast heaven and earth. We were with the grandchildren this past week, and I took, I always try to take an opportunity to have a moment uh, just to teach them some truth. And two of the, our grandchildren are teenagers now, and I sat down with them, and I just said, you know, the, the Bible says there are three things that are pretty important. And if you miss these three things, you pretty much miss it. I told him, I said, you know, the Bible says to love God and respect him. You got to love God and you got to respect him. Then it also says you got to love others and you got to respect them. And then Jesus also said, you, you got to love yourself and respect yourself. <clears throat> and then I told my teenage grandsons, I said, you know, being a youth minister for 12 years and being a pastor for 30 years, I've actually pastored as a youth pastor or as a senior pastor over 2,000 teenagers. And, uh, and I said, and I'll tell you this, the ones 
that I found that have a hard time loving God and have a hard time loving other people, at the core of it is they don't love or respect themselves. They just don't love themselves. And it shows up. It shows up everywhere else. Then I told Mary, I said, if they, were, if they just remember one thing I said, I'm, I feel like I won. Because <laughs> you know how the mind is of a young man, you know, he'll hear a few things. But, you know, that's why I'll say maybe four things and hope they hear one. All authority source is scripture. Our authority source is scripture. You know, um, all authority supersedes governments. The Bible supersedes politicians. The Bible supersedes our constitution. The Bible supersedes all judges. The, the Bible supersedes your opinion. The world will be judged by God's word. Countries will be judged by God's word. Leaders of countries will be judged by God's word. Individuals, churches will be judged by God's word. You will be judged by God's word. You probably should know it. You probably should study it. It is a core value for us as a church. Number three, the undergirding of prayer. The Bible says in Philippians, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Man, these are absolutes. Worry. Anything you're allowed to worry about? No, nothing. Don't worry about anything. Instead, you pray about everything. Now, here's what he says to do when you pray. Tell God what you need. Tell him. And then thank him for what he's done. Remind yourself of his faithfulness. Then, after you've done these things, after you've prayed, told God what you need, and you thank him for what he's done, then you'll experience God's peace. Not, not the world's peace and not your peace, because it never lasts, but God's peace. And this peace that he's telling you about will exceed anything you can understand. That's the kind of peace he's talking about. His peace will guard your hearts from what? From the things that make you worry. His peace will guard your hearts from the things that make you worry. And your minds from faulty thinking. From the world's way of thinking. When I pray, the more I pray, the more I protect my heart and my mind from the lies of the world. The lies of Satan and his crowd. The lies of my own emotions. Where did this verse begin? Worry. That's my emotion. When I pray... God protects me from myself by filling me with his peace. His peace is sufficient 
Every time. And you know the cool thing about prayer? Prayer is the conduit by which God gives him, gives us direct access to him. Yet we minimize it, we overlook it, we even ignore it. We usually use it as an emergency lifeline. Now, how cool would it be if you had a direct line to the Oval Office and you called and the president had to answer and he had to listen to you. Some of you would give him an earful. The God of the universe has given you that access to him. And he will listen to you. He will show you mercy. When you mess up, he will show you grace. When your thinking is faulty, he'll graciously correct it. When you've been wounded, he'll mend those wounds. When you're royally messed up, he'll restore you. Why would you not take advantage of that? You know, we lost uh, a key prayer warrior in our church. Well, we didn't lose him. We know where he went. He went to heaven. But Reggie was a prayer warrior in our fellowship. And every Sunday he would walk among these chairs praying. There are several people that do that. I believe that there are some individuals in this church that God has given you the gift of praying with faith and you don't know it yet. And God is calling, he's tapping the shoulders, the heart strings of a few of you to stand in the gap that was left when Reggie went to heaven. To stand in the gap, take up the mantle of being a prayer warrior in this fellowship. So I'm wondering which of you the Holy Spirit is saying that to. And will you have the courage to pick up that mantle? That you have the privilege to intercede for people you don't even know, but God knows very well. That you would have the privilege of praying over a chair, not knowing that a person's going to sit in that chair who's far from Jesus and they hear the gospel and they respond to Jesus because you prayed that the Holy Spirit would work on the person sitting in that chair. Man, that's power. And those are the kind of prayers God loves to answer. So I'm just wondering which one of you is God tapping on the shoulder to stand in the gap? So a core value at Gateway is prayer. A fourth one, 
the environment of grace. Ephesians 4.2 says, always be humble and gentle, always, always be humble and gentle, always. Be patient with each other, always. Make allowance for each other's faults, always, because of your love. Now, notice the verse does not say, make excuses for each other's faults, no. So make an allowance for it. We all have a personality. And guess what? Every single one of us are, are a little bit weird one way or another. Every single one of us have our weirdness. If you don't believe me, just ask your spouse. Or ask a good friend. I had somebody actually ask me that the other day. Do you think I'm weird? I said, oh, Lord, help me in this moment. <laughs> well, how do you mean that question? <laughs> but we, we all have our weirdness. We all have our, you know, stupid side. We all have it. Gateway is going to always be a place of grace that when a person stumbles, instead of us all surrounding them and say, hey, you fell down, <laughs> they know that. We're going to be that church that comes alongside, hey, we want to help you up. We want to help clean you off. And we want to help you get back on track. That's what the scripture teaches. I always get a little weary when someone is quick to judge and demand judgment. And I also get a little fearful for them, a holy fearful for them, in that I know the day's going to come when they're going to need that grace. And they might struggle to find it because they've been so quick to judge. So when somebody stumbles, you have an opportunity to judge them or you have an opportunity to wrap your arms around them. How did Jesus handle every sinner he encountered that was brought to his attention? Grace. He didn't gloss over their sin. He called it out, but he showed them forgiveness. He showed them grace. That's a core value for this fellowship. That when somebody messes up, we want to do what Jesus' death on the cross did, and that is to wipe it out. If we fail at grace, we set ourselves up for a miserable time. Number five, a decentralized ministry. Well, that sounds real exciting. Well, let me just explain what that means. Ephesians 4 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. 
This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Well, that happens when we go to heaven. But in the meantime, ministry is to be built on your spiritual gifts. My job is to help you to know what your spiritual gift is, help you mature it, and find how you should use it. If you don't know your spiritual gift or you're not using your spiritual gift, you are missing out on God's massive blessing in your life. Those who do not know their spiritual gift and those who don't practice their spiritual gift, if they know it, they tend to live a selfish lifestyle. But if you're using your spiritual gift, you're always making it about other people. And you're always serving other people. So that's why their ministry that goes on in the church, I'm not even aware of. (laughs) I don't have to be. Number six, a mission of evangelism, uh, uh, a missions and evangelism emphasis. Now, Matthew 28, it says the 11 disciples left for Galilee. This is after Jesus is raised from the dead. This is right before he goes back to heaven. They went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Now, this is amazing to me. These guys who have been with Jesus, they've been with him and seen him and talked to him over the last 40 days since his resurrection. It says, but some of them doubted. What is wrong with those dudes? I guess I could say the same thing about us. We have scripture. We have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Holy Spirit then at that moment, but we have the Holy Spirit. What's wrong with us sometimes that we doubt? Why would we doubt Holy God, why would we doubt his word? Why would we doubt what he's up to and what he says matters? Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. That means, let me give you the Greek translation, all authority. (laughs) All authority. He gets to call the shots. Therefore, because I have all authority in heaven and earth, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, some people think the key word there is go. I think the key phrase is make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why we say that when we baptize people. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I've given you. This This is crucial. We share the gospel with people. The people that respond, we baptize them. We don't stop there. Our job now is to disciple them, to teach them, to help them. Teach these new disciples to obey all commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, are we to reach people? Absolutely. Are we to reach people here in our community? Absolutely. Are we to help reach people overseas? Absolutely. And that's why church planning is a key method that we use overseas to reach people 
And I think it is far more effective to help train up people that live there, that are part of that culture, who become believers, to help them reach their own people. But here's the deal for us, our own people, 70 to 80% of our own people are either unchurched or de-churched. It means if you took all the churches in our community and added up the people that go to those churches, it would account for only 20 to 30% of our community. And yet most churches focus on those 20 or 30%, trying to reach that crowd. Jesus said, no, I want you to go after that unchurched crowd. That's why the staff, we, we think about <clears throat> how can we reach that 70 to 80%. And we have found that the most effective way is simply by you and I building relationships with them, talking to them, just spending time with them, and then looking for that opportunity to share about Jesus, to invite them to church, to invite them to a small... You know, it's really easy to invite somebody to a small group, to a life group. That's what Jesus has told us to do. And that's why we take it very, very serious. Number seven. <clears throat> oh, and by the way, one day we will stand as a church before a holy God. And one of the questions will be asked, what did Gateway do to help fulfill the Great Commission? We're going to answer that question. Number seven, the accountability of small groups. Hebrews 13 says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Get in a life group. There you go. All right. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy, not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. So as a leader for you, I, I'm sharing with you one of the best ways to consistently grow in your faith is to have that small community of believers, a life group that you're a part of. I cannot know every single person in this church and be involved in their life individually. That's just physically impossible. That happens in the life group. I want to tell you, nothing brings me more joy than when I show up at a hospital to see somebody and half their life group's already been there. That, that just thrills me. <clears throat> when I see that happening, <clears throat> I'm just going to do one more. I'm going to jump down to number nine, the significance of humble servanthood. <clears throat> it says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was a humble servant. Therefore, you and I are to be that. <clears throat> when you look at your church and you think about or ask the question, what is the church doing for me? You're asking the wrong question. 
You're asking the wrong question. What can I do for God's church? The best way to answer that question is, what are my spiritual gifts? How can I use them? We value, the only kind of leadership we value at Gateway is servant leadership. That's why at Gateway, I can honestly tell you, there are no power groups in this church. And I've been in, in churches where that's not the case. I've been in churches where there was that little group over here that if they didn't give a green light, nothing happened. They didn't even have to be in an elected position. Your deacons are not men of authority. They're men of servanthood. They're, they're selected to serve in the church. And that's why we don't have power groups. I'm thankful for that. And that's why I protect the staff from becoming egomaniacs and wanting control. We've had that before and it never has worked. Never. So, <clears throat> what are your core values? Are they based on God's holy word? Are they based on truth? Let's pray.